I mean, no one's going to stay the same. That's the thing that people don't tell you when you get married is that this person is going to grow and evolve and change. Everyone does. There's no person that stays exactly the same. And so you have to be open to that. And hopefully you grow together. But a lot of time you grow apart. And a lot of that's out of your control. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the MILFiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Welcome to MILF Podcast. Today we're interviewing Sabrina. I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here, Sabrina. I'm so happy to be here. We're here in the West Hollywood bungalow with two little dogs. So if you hear any dog noises, that's what that is. (laughs) So, and you said the drive over was a little crazy. It's a little crazy. It's nutty. It's hard getting across Hollywood, always, no matter where you're coming from. It's just Los Angeles That's right. Beautiful LA. But it's gorgeous out. So that's good. We're lucky. So Sabrina is a mother of two. Two teenagers. Two teenagers. What's that like? Oh, man. You know what? It's actually pretty awesome. Is it? It is. Because, you know, you get this whole, you know, teenagers get a bad rap. Everyone's like, oh, teenagers, they're so this or that. And, you know, they are also a lot of fun and they're, you know, we can do everything that I like to do now. So, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Instead of having to watch, you know, Disney movies over and over again, which nothing against Disney movies, but, you know, I don't have to watch Finding Nemo 19 times <laughs> in one week. Yeah, right. pretty much. And no car seats. No car seats. In fact, my daughter's about to get her permit. She's going to be driving. So that's a whole thing. How do you feel about that? I feel fine about her. I'm nervous about the other drivers, especially in LA. It's not a really driver-friendly city. So, But the independence is great. And then not having to just drive them around all the time. I mean, I'll miss it on one hand, though. It's weird. It's weird. Everything's bittersweet. Everything's like positive and also kind of sad. Mm, like <laughs> so when you, how you look at it when you gain a new freedom mm-hmm. you are losing something else another right. attachment something? yeah everything's a little bit bittersweet mm-hmm. but it's leaning into that is, is key though mm-hmm. because if you start if you just obsess if you look at baby pictures oh i miss my you know mm-hmm. then you're just stuck there so you have to always look forward you're always looking forward right one of the things i love about sabrina is that she is the most the most positive person i've ever met i am you are oh, you always thank you. you really always have this way of looking at things in this positive light that is um has helped me over the years as we've been friends for 15 plus years mm-hmm. have a better healthier perspective oh you know thank you. so having that positive and as a parent boy does that come in handy All right so let's start with where are you from where did you grow up Oh, my goodness. I grew up all over Southern California. It's really hard when people ask me that question. I just say Southern California because my mother moved a lot. So I was raised by my single mom. Single mom. And uh, yeah, she was constantly moving. I went to 13 different grade schools. 13 different (laughs) grade schools? Yes, just grade. And then once I got into middle school and high school, I I went to one high school, which was really Wait, 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 stop. (laughs) 13 different elementary schools? Right. In, th- in third grade, I went possible? to three schools. In sixth grade, I went to three schools because my mom moved chronically. She was every you know six months or on average, she would move. Uh, and so I'd have to start over at a new school, make new friends. Chronically. So, that is, yes. that, I feel like there should be a 12-step program right? for chronic <laughs> movers, relocators. Right? Yeah. She was always running away from something. Wow. Yeah. And how was that for you with the transitioning all the time? Did you find a way to cope with it every time or? Well, you know, I think it's partly why I went into um, becoming a performer and a writer because I was always 
reinventing myself. <laughs> it became kind of a game. Like okay. I think one way to cope with it is to look at it as uh, a challenge in a game. So I'd go to a new school and I'm like, I can be anybody I want in the school. Nobody knows me. One time I'd be like the introvert, quiet sort of observer. And then I'd go to another school and I would try to be really like outgoing and super friendly. And then I tried my hand at being a little bit of a bully now and then, which I'm not proud of. <laughs> But I cannot imagine you doing that. Oh, it didn't last long. It didn't last long because I felt terrible about it. Well, give me an example of a bully situation where you were the bully. Oh, my gosh. What kind Uh, of person would you bully? God, I hate to admit this, but you know what? I would bully. You know what it is? I think it's because I wanted to. It is classic, right? You want to feel better than you want to feel. You want you don't want anyone to know like how much pain you're in, so you overcompensate and you pick on someone who's weaker than you and you make fun of them. And then I learned real quick like that was not a good strategy because seeing another person in pain really sort of clicked something in my brain where I was like, oh, this isn't the right way to go. Right. It would be, you know, someone who Because you actually have empathy. So yeah. that, you're like a healthy <laughs> right. person with empathy, right. so right. it didn't feel good. And this you. is when I was like, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. Like those years, those formative years when you're figuring all this stuff out. When you're like, I can be I can be with the popular girls and be mean to other kids who aren't popular. And now I, I have this group that's accepting me, but now I'm hurting other people. And so... How was your mom with the transition. So she would she would move you around, you and mm-hmm. your sister. She would move us around. She you know, she didn't she was fine with it. You know, I don't remember her having a lot of emotion about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wasn't very emotionally connected. She uh, you know, she wasn't a very affectionate person. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't touchy feely at all. She was very like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. So I don't know how she felt. So you about couldn't it. come home and say, hey mom, you know, this this is really hard. Or No, we did not have that kind of relationship. It was just like, this yeah. is how it is. And- how it is. And she tried to keep everything light. She was funny. My friends would come over and they'd say, your mom is hilarious. Because she was, you know, she was trying to sort of be more of a kid. She wanted to fit in. She wanted to be a friend. She wanted to be a peer. So she would, you know, be really goofy. And she would, um, you know, I didn't want, I wanted a mom. I didn't want a friend. So they thought she was hilarious and great. But, you know, we did have, you know, some fun because of that when I was younger. But as I got older, that was not at all what I needed. So it was an interesting childhood. (laughs) But like I said, it it gave me some skills. It gave me some, it taught me to be independent. It taught me to uh, be more of a creative person and, you know, think outside the box. It made you adaptive. It did. That's the perfect word. Which I think, knowing you as well as I do, I think it feeds into the positivity piece. Yes. Because you're able to go into any situation and pull that out of it. I've seen you do it many times. Yeah, yeah, that's probably it, for sure. Because there's two ways you can go, right? You can get, oh, poor me, this is terrible. My life is horrible. I'm going to do indulge in addictive behaviors or, you know, do things that aren't good for for me. And Or you can look at that and say, I'm going to reject that and I'm going to go the opposite way and seek the light and seek Mm. to reach out to other people and be more of a positive person. So let's fast forward to you meet your husband. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You meet your husband and tell me about that. Oh my gosh. I met my husband um, when I was 27. He just reminded me of that yesterday. He's like, how old were you when we met? Because 
because side note, he was commenting on like what a like horrible housekeeper I was when he first met me, which is absolutely true. <laughs> Another thing about my mom is she was a hoarder. So I grew up in a hoarder house. So I was never really taught how wow. to like properly. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. She was a chronic mover. (laughs) Yes. And a hoarder. How did that? How does that work? Well, you know, I don't have any like toys or things from my childhood because what would happen is we would collect, collect, collect. And when we'd move, it was always really like, oh my gosh, because she was always out running bill collectors because she'd run up a lot of debt. So she would just, we would like dump everything. Like we would take just enough that we could Carry. So, so I lost so well, we would have trucks and stuff, but right. I lost so many things and all the moves that were like important to me, mm-hmm. you know, and she very quickly would just <laughs> build the piles up again. And so the longer we stayed in a place, the more it would be like messy. And then every, every month or two months or however long she'd be like, okay, today's the day we clean. And we'd spend like all day cleaning. We'd fill bags of trash. We, I remember once we put all these trash bags in front of our house. I think I was in high school at this point. And I had a crush on like the boy who worked, who was a garbage man in our neighborhood. And I remember seeing him pull up and looking at all these bags of trash on my front lawn. I mean, like 20. Oh, so the dog is uh, someone's at the door. Someone's, I think is it, someone's at your neighbor. <laughs> Are they reacting to my story? Like, that's a lot of a lot trash. Of trash. <laughs> um, and the cute boy saw it. Oh my God. It. What I did was you do? Mortified. Oh no. But yeah, so that's how she always managed to, you know, restock the house with junk. So I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't that, but I wasn't a great, you know, I didn't deep clean very often. So Ezra was like, when I first met you. But you but become, he, but the, right. But that, yes. the reason he mentioned it is because he's like, oh, you're so much better now. You've right. gotten so much better over the years. Right, 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 right. So you guys met, you fell in love. We fell in love. I saw him in a play and I was like, he is dreamy and super talented because I've always been attracted to talent, talent and a sense of humor above everything else. And he also happens to be handsome. So I, you know, hit the jackpot. Um, but yes, we met, uh, Gosh, 20, I'm going to date, I'm going to totally give my age up right now if I do the math, but I think it was 23 years ago we met. Wow. And you've been married how long? It'll be 20 years this year. Okay. Wow. Congratulations. That is something else. Thank you. That's wonderful. Um, And I also just want to mention that knowing Sabrina as long as I do, and I also know her husband, that they have, out of all of my friends and people that I know, the healthiest marriage and the best marriage, the best example of a partnership. And I always kind of hold you guys up and put Aww. you, I don't want to say on a pedestal because like I'm with you enough to know that it's right. very real and you right. have bumps and you have sure. life things. And I've watched you raise these children and, and it's hard, but as far as like being solid, you guys have it, you know? And, uh, and, you. Yeah. and, and what do you think it is that makes it that communication? I think above all, I mean, we talk about everything. If anything comes up, there's any issue, we just face it right on. I think it's the stifling, the pushing down of feelings that can be so damaging in a relationship because then it just festers. So I think it's that. I think we both respect each other. He's my best friend. I Mm. think that's what it is. And I know we've grown and changed a lot. Like I look back over the 20 years and he's different than the man I married, Mm. but that's everyone. I mean, no one's going to stay the same. That's That's a big thing that people don't tell you when you get married is Mm. that this person is going to grow and evolve and change. They're not, everyone does. There's no person that stays exactly the same. And so you have to be open to that and hopefully you grow together, but a lot of time you grow apart and a lot of that's out of your control. So I think we just got lucky in that we grew together because we have the same, you know, the same values. values. Exactly. The same values. 
We both viewed parenthood the same way. We both really wanted children. We both really wanted a family. You get married, you start trying to have kids right away or what was the... Yeah. Well, we'd been together three years before we got married and we both knew we wanted kids. So we, yeah, we kind of did. I think we did start trying right away. Maybe we waited a a year, maybe. (laughs) I don't don't remember exactly, but yeah, we started right away because I wasn't getting any younger. I mean, I think it was, you know, I was 30 when we got married. Okay. So I was like, not that I felt like the big ticking yet, but I knew like I wanted to be on the young end of motherhood. Right, 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 right. (laughs) So speaking of getting pregnant yes. and bones. Yes, boning. Let's yeah. talk about boning. Let's talk about. So you and your husband boned. Yeah, we boned a lot in those first couple of years. Yep. Newlywed boning. And mm-hmm. then you. By the way, yeah. um, trying to get pregnant boning is the best boning. The yes. Best, right? It's yes. like, let's bone all the time yep. with no protection. Yeah. Anywhere and everywhere. It's like, oh, ovulating. Got a bone. Where are you? <laughs> hey, we're at a theater. Let's go in the bathroom and bone. I mean, did you go in the theater in oh, the bath? Yeah. You did? Well, actually, in the I green room. I don't know room, why I'm surprised. The green room of, yeah. Hey, man, it was, t- ov- <laughs> I was ovulating, got a bone. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. do. You know there's what? A, there's a clock ticking. Take care of business. That's yeah. right. So, okay. So you boned mm-hmm. everywhere and anywhere. That's right. Um, and then what happened? So we got pregnant pretty quickly. I don't remember a lot about how I got pregnant, but, you know, the timeline of that, but yeah, I got pregnant and then got to almost six months and there was some genetic um, problems, some abnormalities. So unfortunately didn't get to carry that baby to term. So that was a what was big that devastation. Like, like, can you tell me a oh little bit gosh. about that story? That was probably the hardest thing that Ezra and I had to go through as a couple. It was really, you know, that kind of stuff can either break you up or bring you together. Thank God it was the opposite. It really brought us together. You know, it was a really tough, tough, tough time because I was so far along and um, we didn't know anything was going on until an ultrasound revealed it, you know, at like five and a half months where there was uh, the face was was deformed and the, the foot was clubbed and like the, the size of the head was, I mean, everything, everything was, but it was weird because every other ultrasound we had gone to, the baby was turned around. Like we saw, we didn't see the front. And we're like, oh, you know, I, we're never going to see the front. It was like a thing. And then finally, we're like, oh, yeah, you turned around. And then and then all of a sudden, the room got really quiet. And then the the woman who was doing the ultrasound got really quiet. And we're like, well, what's going on? She's like, um, I'm going to step out. <laughs> so she steps out. And we're like, what's going on? She comes back in and she brings another doctor. And then they then they both step out. So it was a lot of like hush talking. Of that. And exactly. Ezra was with you? No, my sister was actually with me. This oh. was the one appointment where he couldn't make it because he was at work. But then of course, when the doctor like brought me into the office, he's like, well, you might, you need to bring your husband here right now. So he came right away. And then we had to walk across the street to a specialist to do like a 3D ultrasound. Because back in those days, 3D ultrasounds were not the norm. Mm. They were just introduced. So we had to go to a more detailed ultrasound where they like got a really good picture of what was going on. And then we had to deal with that. But luckily he was there by then. And we had to, I remember calling his sister, like, what do we do? And she's very level-headed. And so she's like, well, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. So we ended up losing that uh, pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, trying to, you know, deal with that emotionally was uh, was hard. And it was so funny. I was working at a comedy theater at the time, an improv theater. 
And I remember about a month afterwards, I was still physically not like all the way back. I was thinking, gosh, am I ever going to like laugh again? Because I taught improv and I did improv and I, and I thought, I just can't do this anymore. I'm never going to be able to, to find anything funny. I mean, when you're in that dark place, you just don't, you can't see how you'll ever find anything funny again. And, uh, you know, threw myself back into the environment and slowly, you know, time heals, as they say. But at the first improv class I took, ding, it was like an improv, but more of like a scene, like study classes. And um, I remember the teacher's like, okay, everybody, you know, sit in your chair and relax, breathe in and out. And I want you to think of like the saddest thing that's ever happened oh to my you. God. And we're going to get in touch with that feeling so it can be real. And I looked at him, I opened my, I'm like, are you kidding? Because he knew me very well. Ugh. I was like, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing to me right now? It was <sighs> I mean, it's kind of funny now. I can actually laugh about it now. Like how ridiculous that was. Yeah. And I did the exercise. I'm like bawling and bawling. And I'm like, no, I mean, it's acting 101. It's like, you'd never want to use a fresh trauma to recreate because it's, you can't control it. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. My old acting teacher used to tell me that when I was doing studying the method. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, when I was in my early 20s, we would do sense memory exercises. And she's like, you have to go back at least five years for the sense memory because anything newer, it's too fresh and you you won't be in control of it. Mm. That's a little detour, a little acting uh, I love it. <laughs> detour. Acting lessons. Yes. Sabrina Hill. Yes, that's right. Um, but then we did get pregnant a year later. We, a we, year. Once I healed up, we could try it again a year later and then had a miscarriage really early on in like 10 weeks. So then wow. I was like, oh my gosh, am I not meant to be a mother? What's going on? And you know, that's really like How did hard you to process. deal with that, those losses? Like, I mean, I know you're saying that time healed you and you just had to kind of go through it, but how did you on a day-to-day basis kind of deal with those losses? That's a really good question. And I don't remember specifically the minutia of it, like what I did, but I do remember my mindset of just being in the moment, just going moment to moment, just get through this day, just get through this hour. Like if things would come up that were really... Did it feel lonely or isolated? Oh, totally. Because I would imagine, you know, I've never been through a miscarriage, but I would imagine that it's something that feels very lonely and as though no one else is going through it or has gone through it because it's very private. Mm. Did you feel isolated? I did. I did. And you know, the first time around, because I was showing and everyone knew that I was pregnant, I was probably feeling less so because everyone knew. Now, you know, a lot of people when they're pregnant, they're like, I can't, they don't tell you until they're past the first trimester because, you know, if something should go wrong, which happens a lot, I think 50% of all pregnancies in a miscarriage is something, I could be wrong. Right. (laughs) Don't quote me on that one, but it's a lot. Right. And people don't talk about that. I think that was actually helpful that people knew. I'm all for like, tell people right away because- you're going to want that support system if something does go wrong. You, you, you lose that pregnancy. You're going to want to have people there yes. that's, that can say, I've been through it. You felt like you had a community around you and family. Yes. And your husband yes. was very supportive. I mean, in general, I'm all for telling people what you're going through all the time. I mean, secrets are so damaging to the person holding the secret, especially. I mean, I'm just all for getting the truth out. Yeah. Always I yeah. mean, share everything. Yeah. Why hold it back? Yeah. I think I tend to do that maybe a little too, a little bit too the much sharing. of an open book. Yeah. Well, I don't um, know. Is there such thing as too much of an open book? I don't know. I don't know. But don't it does, know. it feels, for me, it works against that feeling of feeling isolated because I have mm. dealt with a lot of feeling isolated. I was an only child, you know, and 
just feeling loneliness. And I found when I, I mean, it's frankly the reason I'm doing this podcast mm. is because I like to open up that line of communication and tell my story, hear other people's stories, because I think it's through sharing these things that we relate to another human being and think, oh, I've been through that, or I might go through that, or I've been through that, and it's okay. It right. makes it okay. Right. So two pregnancies that terminated early. Yeah. And then what happened? And then the following year, uh, I got pregnant again. Uh, ha, spoiler alert, two teenagers. <laughs> that was that. But uh, I had a little trouble conceiving the third time. I remember that's when I had to start using like the ovulation predictor and I had to take, uh, I think it was prednisone. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I had to, there were some things I had to sort of get myself in line. It took a little longer for the third pregnancy. And you were how old at this point? I was 34. I ended up having a really beautiful first half of the pregnancy. I did prenatal yoga because I was terrified. Like the first half, all of it actually, not the first half. I was terrified because I'd, I'd had these two experiences, which were uniquely horrible. Mm. You know, I, I was very aware that anything could happen, mm. like nothing's a guarantee. And so I was like walking on eggshells, like, oh, everything was going well. But I'm like, but you never know. So that's why I took prenatal yoga. I sought that out. It was Kundalini yoga. And it was so perfect. Because it did keep me in the moment. It kept me very in tune with my body, it kept me really strong. Because man, doing those those prenatal poses, uh, Gurmukh was the the teacher that I Yes, I, I remember with. Gurmukh at Gurmukh. Golden Bridge. Golden Bridge. Yes. She wrote a book on prenatal yoga. I wish I could think of the name of the book. Maybe and we'll aren't list you it in the podcast. Featured podcasts. on the cover. I am. I'm on the cover <laughs> of this uh, book by Gurmukh. I I I feel terrible that I don't remember the name of the book. Yeah, you can you can look it up, or we can provide a little uh, description yeah, or link. something. Yes, um, but it's an amazing book. It's, she has an amazing story that she tells in it, and then she also gives you lots of advice and the poses and and recipes because she's vegan, and mm. um, I was eating really well, and so I was keeping myself really fit and feeling really strong. And then around six months, I get hit with prenatal diabetes because come on, yeah, <laughs> I've got to experience all of the weird wow. things that happen. Yeah. Um, so then I had to deal with that for the last trimester of going on that, that diet. Like, how, yeah. So you had you to know, go on the special diet. I had to go on the special diet, which I wish I could have the discipline to go on now because I'm telling you, I never felt better. I lost weight. So because of that diet, my total weight gain with that pregnancy was 20 pounds. What? 20 pounds. I and I lost I gained, it all. I think I gained 50 with mine. Well, that's, you know, very common. It's like, I think the average is like between 30 and 50 is okay. like the average. So it was really crazy. Like I was, so that was the good news. That was a good outcome, but it was, you know, it was still scary the whole time. Like, you sure. know, testing my blood and ugh, I hate that poking my finger and all that. Mm. Um, and then I had my daughter. Um, she was three weeks early, but she, that's fine. Cause she was, you know, she's a giant. She's still a giant. <laughs> she's <laughs> towering over me. She's like five, nine and a half. How old is she now? She's 15, 15 and a half. Oh, right. Cause she's about to get her yeah, learner's permit. I'm going to be driving and stuff. Right. Two years later, I got pregnant with my son. And the funny thing about that is it was, uh, my daughter was coming up on, she was like a, a year and a quarter, right? Ezra and I, my husband, oh, I just said his name. His name is Ezra. My husband, Ezra, and I <laughs> she, were. She blushed <laughs> I when did, she right? said it. Whoever and revealed. I just have to say, I mean, after 23 years of being together, yeah, that's pretty rare. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. and I remember the first time I ever met you, you were a new mom. Uh, your daughter was six months, six months old. You said, uh, Sabrina was my first improv teacher. 
just so you guys know. So I was a, a student of hers and she said, oh, my husband, he's foxy. <laughs> and I've never forgotten it. I just thought that is so cool. And you, and all these years later, you've maintained that and you both feel that way about each other. I've heard yeah. him. I've been at your house just the other week. I was at your house and he said, there's nobody better than my wife. Nobody Aww. more beautiful than my wife. See, that's also the secret, I think, to yes. the marriages. Like just, you know, you got to. You cherish tell, each you other. You do. And you have to tell, you have to communicate yes. that to each other. Yes. It's so, even if you've heard it a thousand million yes. trillion times, it's, you yes. can never get tired of it. So I was telling my foxy husband while yes. we were laying in bed. Yes. <laughs> I said, wow, you know, if we, if we uh, tried now. Our kids would be about two years apart because I thought that'd be a nice. And gap. that was all it took. He was and like, I'm on it. I've got it. And it was I got Valentine's this. Day, <laughs> oh. P.S. Um, and uh, one try, pregnant, got pregnant on that wow. one try. And the, here's the other weird thing. My daughter also conceived on Valentine's Day two <gasps> years earlier. I know. Which if, he also tells you they both had the same due date. Well, but my daughter was born three weeks earlier, as I mentioned. So, And then my son was born on his due date. Wow. So they're both Scorpio and they almost had the same birthday. Wow. But two years apart. Two years apart. Incredible. So, okay. So cut to, you've got a toddler and a newborn. Oh What's God. That like? Oh God. Here we go. Woo! <laughs> that was the hardest. That was the hardest. So exhausted. Oh my God, Jennifer. So exhausted. Soul crushingly exhausted. Mm -hmm. And like I, you thought you knew what tired was before then. Right. You had no idea no, what tired no. actually is. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Because it's just constant. I mean, the toddler wants your attention all the time. And then you've got infant baby who's, who needs to like nurse and nap. And and were you home alone most oh of the my day? Gosh, your husband I was. was what was the schedule? I like? was home alone a lot. Um, he had a fluctuating schedule because we, he works, you know, in the entertainment industry. So, you know, some days he would be around and then, and then they'd go in long stretches where he'd be on a project where he wasn't around, but he was around, I think more than most dads are able to be. So that was great. But those times when I was alone with them was, I, I wouldn't leave the house because it's just such a, I mean, I did, but not often because there's so much gear you got to bring the and then you're schedules. asleep. You're just That's the thing a you're slave to. to these yeah. naps. Yeah. And I got into this thing where, and then my daughter wouldn't nap. She was giving that like, I'm not going to nap. And you're like, you've got to nap or you're going to be a little like tired. Terror. Yes. yes. And then she was keeping the baby up and he needed a nap. So I got into this thing where I'd put them, I would put them in the car, both in their car seats. And I would go to Forest Lawn. And I would drive around Forest Lawn really slow, like 10 or 15 miles an hour, because there's no stop signs. Oh, no, Forest Lawn, they're, they're on to me. So <laughs> this is my little tip to you, uh, young moms. If you have a Forest Lawn near you, do this. They, they probably won't even notice. Forest but Lawn, by the way, is a big, beautiful cemetery um, yes. in the east part of L.A. And it's, it's very quiet yeah. because everyone there is dead. dead. So if you need to get your kids to sleep. It's very peaceful. Take them around all the That's dead right. people. That's right. Okay, go on. The yes. spirits will soothe yes. them into slumber. <laughs> okay. So and you I, would do this every day? You would put them in the I car? I would put okay. them in the car. I would put classical music on, sometimes NPR, because just the incessant talking, would they would not be interested. And I would just drive around and they'd be asleep within 10 minutes. Now, the, the other weird thing is you'd have to keep driving because if you stop the car, then they're like, oh, hello. And they're like, pop awake, right? <sighs> so I would just go in this loop, just driving around. How long would you do it? For like an hour. And then what? And then I would slowly make my way home and then we'd be to the garage and then they'd wake up. But it became a thing where I was just like, I got to go to Forest Lawn because it was the only thing that consistently worked. Yes. So, I mean, I wonder what that did to me psychologically. Like I was spending a lot of time at a cemetery right. when I was feeling really like isolated and tired. Yes. And, 
And where did you have any postpartum depression? I think I did. I never saw a doctor about it, but I, I think I did. And I wonder if all women have it to some degree. Like, I don't mm. know how you cannot have some depression when mm. you're, because I mean, your hormones are whack. You're not sleeping. Your whole perspective shifts to giving all of yourself to these other beings. Yeah. There's like nothing left for you. Like, how can you yeah. not? And again, the isolation. I know, yes. I know for me, that was. That was the worst part of it. It just felt like day bled into night, bled into day, bled into night. And it would just be weeks on end of just me and this kid alone in my house. And I would occasionally pop open a Trader Joe's frozen meal to mm. feed myself. Mm-hmm. But the isolation and then, and but to bring up something back to the driving through the cemetery is, um, you know, people would always say to me, sleep when the baby sleeps. Oh, God. And F that is the people. biggest, <laughs> those people, they don't know, they don't know because you, I just, that was not my experience no. because it was either driving the kid to get him to sleep. I obviously can't sleep while I'm driving <laughs> or I would get him to sleep in his crib for a nap or the night. And I would suddenly have this jolt of like, oh, it's me time. Yes. I'm going yes. to watch, yes. you know, Dexter for three yes. hours. I'm going to, you know, look online at real estate that I can't <laughs> afford. I'm going to fold laundry. Like me mm-hmm. time was folding laundry right. with oh quiet. Gosh. Yes. Um, and I, so I couldn't sleep. No, no. Cause when else are you going to do that stuff? Yeah. And how did your marriage evolve in that time? He was a great partner. So he was a very helpful in taking them when he was around, which was, you know, a lot, like I said, more than most, he would be able to take them out. And we went to the zoo a lot. We did a lot of excursions, the parks, and we got them out of the house a lot. My husband's a a runner and a very outdoorsy guy. So he was always a big believer in like, we got to get out. We got to get, even for me, because I think he knew I was a little down. Like we got to get out in the sunshine. You got to, you do, you need that vitamin D, you need that sunlight, you need to breathe fresh air. You, You, the longer you stay in your house. I think if he hadn't, been around as much, I probably would have stayed in the house more. Oh, it's true. I mean, well, it's true for me. I remember a friend calling me and I I just must have sounded awful. And she has a son who's a couple years older than my son. And she said, honey, when was the last time you went outside? Oh, no. <laughs> and it made me cry because <gasps> yes. I realized it had been probably three or four days since <gasps> I had even stepped outside my door. It just, just feels overwhelming realize. too. You're like all the things you need to do, like brush your hair and teeth. Like even, even that it's yeah. like, oh man, I have to put real clothes on and yeah. go outside. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then let's cut to them being in preschool. Yes. Um, and you have a little wee bit of time for oh, yourself. Man. It what, felt like the clouds parted okay. and like the ray of sunshine came down. Oh yes. It's like, oh my God, I can go to the store without them. Oh. I mean, going to a grocery store with two little ones. I mean, anything. So I just started to run errands and I just felt like, ah, felt some freedom. Yeah. It was great. During the time of their infancy and toddlerhood, did you work at all? Did you feel creatively? I mean, I know you're an artist, so your work is fluctuating also, but did you feel like you could work or wanted to work or? Well, at that time, right before they were born, I had been auditioning and I had, you know, books, little things here and there, commercials and things like that. So I was still very much in that world. And then once they were, around like that was just not in the cards there's you can't drop everything and run off to an audition on the west side when you've got two little babies i so put that i hung that up i've always been a photographer i studied photography when i was in film school so i went back to pasadena art center for night classes and did that like i picked up my camera again and i started 
taking pictures of stuff, them to start, you know, doing headshots for other actors. And that was great. So I had my own photography business for about 10 years, pretty regularly as a really nice other form of a, of income plus a creative outlet that I Mm. really liked. So important to have something else. I remember when they would go to bed, I would just like process photos and like edit photos for hours every night. And it just, it got my brain out of thinking about their needs and and just, it was so relaxing to just stare at the images and just play with them. Yeah. And did that sort of feel like a reclamation of yourself? Oh yeah, it totally did. It was really, really helpful. And, you know, again, my husband was supportive by, you know, he was always home those nights were so that I could go to that class. Right. Because otherwise you would have had to get childcare. Yeah. Forget it. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And again, just to circle back, like this is you adapting, you know, and right. I've, just throughout the story that you've told today, I've heard you say many times and, and, and express how you adapted to each of these situations. It's pretty miraculous. Yeah. Commendable. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so now today, like you are involved in a whole host of things and you have teenagers that are pretty self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. So what is that like now? Like having your life as a mom... And then your life as an artist and as a, as a voiceover actor, as an actress, as a playwright. As, yeah. You know, what is that? It's pretty freaking awesome, I have to say. It's really, I'm in a really good place. I just turned 50. Woo-hoo, 50. Yes. <laughs> um, which is crazy. I, I mean, my idea of 50 when I was like 25 was completely different than my right. reality right now. What was your idea of 50? Oh my gosh. I thought like old lady grandma, you know, in the kitchen, like, you know, with like, you know, no baby, you're a milf. <laughs> I that am is a what milf. You That's yeah. why I'm on the milf podcast. You're a milf AF. Well, it takes one to know one. Oh snap. <laughs> um, so I'm just happy. I'm happy. Mm. I'm happy, which is so simple, but like, so feels so good to say that and really feel that. I'm not having always been. So it's, it's great. I have a, like you said, I have a lot of things going on, a lot of new things, new. I, I was, I'm always looking to the new because I did theater for so many years too. It's like once a show closes, you know, you're sad, but then you're always like, what's the next show? Right. So and what are some of the new things that you're working on now that are exciting to you? Some new things are, um, my play that I'm working on, working on, uh, I'm Tell always working on a play. play. What is it? What is it called? What is it about? I'm, I'm working on a play called Matter of Time, which is about a mother-daughter relationship uh, at its core. It's also about the shadow of their, the father slash husband who passed away when the daughter was very young and how they're both still attached to the idea of the father and the husband and coming to terms with a future without him and also finding a way to connect with each other. So it's about, it's about um, love and loss and finding your place in the world where you thought your reality would look different mm. than it, than it does and mm. adapting. I guess I'm very similar to my mm-hmm. own life. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds great. So it's, yeah, it's been a, a labor of love and it's got, it's, it keeps evolving. I don't know. I've, I've been working on it for like two years. Um, so I'm getting back to that. And I have some other little writing projects that I'm doing that I'm excited about um, that I don't know if I am I can say yet. Got it. No, keep yeah. that under wraps. I will Ooh. say that I was hired to write on a, a podcast, a fictional podcast that will be debuting this fall. Oh, great. So What's the title? Do you know it's yet? It's called Anonymous. Wow. It's called Anonymous. So look for that in the fall. It's going to be great. But yeah, I don't think I can say what it's about, but just say it's very milfy. Oh, great. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of um, sexy talk in it. 
Will there be boning so, in it? There will probably be lots of boning Great. in it. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so we're almost to the end here. Oh my gosh, that went by so fast, I Jennifer. Did I didn't get to ask you anything fast. about you. Oh, well, that's Am not- I allowed to or no? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I want to know. Um, we were talking a lot about motherhood because I guess that's going to be the focus of this episode. Yes. So I want to hear about your journey as a mother. I know, I'm in a real quick soundbite. Let's go. <laughs> so we already talked about how you had some postpartum depression yes. and how hard that was. Yes. So tell us about... Um, where you are now mm. as a mother, because I know you have a son who's almost turning nine. nine. Yeah. Yeah. So this is almost a decade now of motherhood for yes. you. Yes, yes, and yes. And how your evolution, your arc of motherhood has been. I know it's a big question. It's no, big I love question. it. Okay. It's a juicy question. Um, well, I'll just start with where I am now, because that's what you were saying, pointing to is... Um, yeah, now it's pretty great. I mean, I'm uh, recently divorced and that was really hard, but mm. also really the right thing. And so I am a single mom. And um, when I became a mother, I just had no idea what I was in for, as most of us don't. And it was just, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I, I had no idea how hard it would be. And for the first, mm, I'd say at least four years, I thought there was something lacking in me mm. and that there was something wrong with me because it was just not this effortless, you know, rainbows and unicorns and making crafts out right. of reclaimed wood, you know, to sell on Etsy or something. I just <laughs> right. thought I'm doing it wrong. You uh -huh. know why? And it's this weird double bind of, and I've talked to a lot of moms um, about this of, I love this little being more than I could ever love anything else in the whole wide world. I would do anything for this child, for my child. And yet it's this, as you said, soul crushing fatigue, depletion, and I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. And so it took me, you know, several years to kind of reclaim myself and rediscover mm -hmm. Jennifer. Yeah. Um, and once I did that, like nothing was the same. And that's when I st started to realize that you know my marriage wasn't working and I, there were things i wanted to do in my life that i needed to just take a different take a stand on you mm -hmm. know um so i started writing a novel and i started pole dancing and i you know just made these changes and ultimately i do think it's made me a better mother because i'm authentic and yeah. my son sees me being authentic mm -hmm. and in and flawed and all of it but it's still really hard. It's still really hard being a mom. And my son has recently had panic attacks. His dad and I had to bring him to therapy and deal with that and take him to a specialist. And he's now changing schools. He has dyslexia. And so he's going to be changing to a school that's more suited to fit his needs, a specialized school for kids with learning uh, language and learning differences. Mm -hmm. But all of like dealing with all of those things along the way, one day yeah. at a time, one, one event at a time right. is just so hard. But you have blazed the trail for me from day one of like, and that thing. And I really just want to, again, commend you and also just thank you for being that grounding person in my life who will help me. You'll listen to whatever it is that's going on and then point me to like, there's that P. I did the P <laughs> too much. You'll listen to whatever's going on in my life and then you'll point me to being adaptive to it. Mm -hmm. And really that is 
about surrendering to what is. Right, right. Because if I can surrender to what is and, and ultimately surrendering to who my child is, that's the hardest right. thing. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. It's really the hardest thing is like, this is who he is and I want to embrace who he is and support yes, who he is, yes. not who I think he should be oh or God, yeah. who makes it easier for me. Because this is a kid that, first of all, he was he was born four days past his due date. And I've always said- my son does not like to be rushed. <laughs> he gets up two and a half hours before school starts because he'll say, mom, I just need the time yes. to like lazily wake up and lounge and do mm. my thing. I need time to do my things. Mm -hmm. And he just doesn't like being pushed to do things before he's ready. And um, that's really difficult when you got to be somewhere on time. And so I've learned to adapt to that and start earlier and speak to him in certain ways that you know, give him, empower him to embrace that part of himself yeah. rather than shaming him for why can't you be different or, right, you know. And so many parents fall into that trap. They have an idea of what they want their child to be, what their son or daughter is supposed to look like because they've always imagined, well, I'm going to have uh, this sure. kind of a kid. Yeah. You know, my kid is going to go to Harvard and my kid's going to be this or that. <laughs> right. And kids come with their own yep. stuff and they know who they are. And we just have, as parents have to acknowledge that within them and, and nurture what they are bringing. Yeah. And that, but it's so hard. It's really hard because oftentimes it, it butts up against what it is that I want in the yes, moment. You yeah. Know? I want you to get dressed or I mm. want you to, you know, and mm -hmm. not that I don't, I just don't let him get dressed or, you know, I mean, I have sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, not, the other piece of it too is let them wear what they want to wear. Right. Oh, yes. Because sometimes oh, they sure. put together, especially when they're little, they put together some funky ass yeah, outfits and you're like, it. all right. Yeah. You're not that. naked. We're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. We're out. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. So that's where I am today. And it feels pretty great. And, and I'm so grateful to be able to have the energy and the excitement to do this podcast. Yes. And I really, I can't wait to have, I'm so excited that you're on the show and I have some other amazing guests coming on the show and just to really get more voices out there about moms that I follow and like to yes. follow and, and, and also what it means to be a mom today. In yeah. This, in this time. It's hard. We're not even going to get into the political climate because it's hard to raise oh, kids in that too, but we can save that snap. for another. Well, so that'll be a different show. That's a different. Yeah. Right. Um, I want to ask you two questions okay. and then, it, then we're going to do a little bit of a lightning round. Oh, fun. So um, the first question I'm going to ask that I'm going to borrow from my producer, yeah. Harry Duran, who is an amazing host on Podcast Junkies. If you haven't checked out that show, you need to go subscribe right now. And I'm going to ask you, what's something that you've changed your mind about recently? Wow, that's such a good question. And that's so hard to answer. I'm thinking of big things. And I'm also thinking of really tiny things. I've changed my mind about my career path. How so? I've always been sort of a jack of all trades, a Jill of all trades, if you will. And I do a lot of things. I've decided that I'm going to focus on just two of the like five things that I was doing. For example, we mentioned photography. I used to do a lot of that. Right. I have officially shut down my business. Um, and I'm just, because you know what? I wasn't, the joy was gone. You know, I love photography and I had fallen out of love with it by working it. Uh -huh. So um, I still have clients every now and then they'll seek me out, but I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on more on my voiceover work and my theater work, theater work in general, writing for theater, being in theater. 
Yes. Um, and when I'm focused on those two things, I feel like they give me the most amount of joy. So I've cut out a lot of other things that I was doing. You're adapting yeah. and following that lead. And the other, the smaller thing that I've changed my mind about was I was thinking about getting filler under my eyes to <laughs> cut down on my eye wrinkles. And I thought, I don't want to mess with my orbital lobes because you, I don't know. It just seems like orbital you know, lobes. Like, what are orbital the, lobes? The holes that your eyeballs say that 10 times in. fast. Orbital, orbital lobes, orbital lobes, orbital lobes. Or, oh, I can actually kind lobes. of do it. Because uh, I thought, you know, again, that's a very tender part of your eye. And I don't, I think it's, it would make me look weird. So I'm decided not to, to go for that. Great. I I'm going to embrace my face. The way it is. Embrace your face. That's right. Hashtag embrace your face. (laughs) That's right. Come on. And the second question is, how do you define success? Oh my God. That's, well, for me, success is feeling content with where you are right now, in the moment right now. That's success. Because there's always more we can achieve, right? There's always, we always look at other people. Oh, they have this, they have that. Why didn't I have that? When you start to compare, then no matter where you are in your career or in life, you're going to feel like you're failure or you failed. So if you can just accept where you are and, and be in gratitude for what you have now, then that's success. It sounds easy, but it's hard. Mm. <laughs> so hard. Perfect. And with that, we're going to go to our lightning round of questions. So uh, it's going to be the first thing that comes out of the top of my head. Yeah, first All right, thing. It might be crazy. Just, they're, um, most of them are just, you know, this or this questions. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. But I might throw in a would you rather as Ooh, an homage yes. homage to your husband. I'm writing down and talking at the same time. I love I it. I can't do that. I love would you rather. That's would a great game. My kids love that game. Twitter or Instagram? Instagram all the way. Spin class or yoga? Yoga. J-Law or J-Lo? I'm going to say J-Law. Gel polish or regular polish? Ooh, I like the gel. Makes my nails long. Redfin or Zillow? Okay. Here's, uh, I don't know what either one of those are because that's the kind of person I am. So I'm going to just say Redfin because I like the way it sounds. Okay, great. This is, I've, that's my special inside joke that I'm going to now let everyone in on. I obsessively look at real estate on oh, these two apps. That's so one funny. One is Redfin. It's a real estate app. And the other one is Zillow. They're both the same thing, but they're just slightly different interfaces. Uh-huh. See, I don't, I don't look at real estate. Sad. Because you're content in the now and oh, you don't yeah. have to compare there it like is. I do. And I have to say, I have to have a house with a pool. And your house is like 10 times more gorgeous than my house. Just P.S. <laughs> Everyone should know. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Daytime. Whole Foods or Trader Joe's? I like the bargain price at Trader Joe's. Botox or filler? Oh, I just gave you a little spoiler on that. I'm going to go bow. Circumcised or uncircumcised? Oh circumcised on a scale of one to 10 how good are you at ping pong i'm going to give myself a solid five if you could push a button and make everyone in the world seven percent happier but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling product would you push it yes f hairstyling products oh natural is the way what was the name of your first pet Oh my gosh, my mom was also a cat hoarder. So she had so many cats. I'll just say the first one I remember was Banjo Eyes, but I mean, there were several cats before Banjo Eyes. What was the name of the street you grew up on? You could just pick one. Oh my God. You know what's so weird? I can't remember any street from when I was a child because <laughs> I moved so much. Uh, but Belmont Street is where I lived when I was in high school. So I remember that one. 
So Banjo Eyes Belmont oh, is your stripper name. Yes. I like I like the bees. Banjo Eyes Belmont. Oh, that's great. Um, so I'm going to end with a would you rather, and I'm okay. coming up with it on the spur of the moment. Oh, yeah. You're good like that. Would you rather have a dog tail sticking out of your back mm. or three breasts? Wow. I'm going to go with a dog tail. <laughs> Really? Okay. Because you know what? I think I could rock that. I think I could like whip it around like with some attitude. And yeah. I think the three breasts would be more distracting and odd than sexy. But I think you could make a dog tail sexy. Got it. Love it. And we'll end with that. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you, Jennifer. This time went by too quickly. <laughs> really? I did. love you. Love you too. And Sabrina, if any of my listeners want to track you down or check you out on social yeah. media, is there is there a place where they can find you? Well, I love Instagram. Come find me there. Okay. I post a lot about uh, my awesome family, my sexy husband, and a lot of the voiceover work in the theater projects that I do. So you can find me at Sabrina Weiss, W-E-I-S-Z. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll check it out. Thanks, Sabrina. Thank you. 